0: Welcome to the Michelle Mission. Two two men, one podcast. Every black film ever made. My name is Vincent Williams and I am joined as always by my partner. Hey, what's up? My name is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble. How you doing? And on this stop on the mission, we go into Len's patented Wayback Machine (laughs) to spend some time with... Arguably a forgotten gem, 1951's racial and social issue film, *The Well*. But before we get to that, I believe, Mister Webb, you know, when I heard about this movie, listening to us live, may have picked up that there's a bit of a lag. Lynn is actually on the um, Mars station right now. (laughs) <laughs> so it's going to take about two seconds oh, for God. my audio to reach mars <laughs> are you listening major tom Any are you listening major tom ground control to major tom ground control to major tom yeah I hear you. I hear you, Vince. I
1: hear you. Um, um, Oh, God. Uh, Hey, what's up, everybody out there watching on YouTube and Facebook? Aaron Fry, Orphan Pixels, Deborah Battle. Hello, each and every one
0: of you. Um, Hey, hello, hello. Good evening. Good evening. (laughs) Uh, Round control to Major um. (laughs) Tom. There's a little bit of a lag for those listening to
1: the podcast as we're streaming on video via Stream StreamYard. Today, for some reason, there's a little bit of a lag and um, we're just working our way through it. Anyway, Vince. <laughs> yes, sir. We have...
0: We, <laughs> we have emails, Because I hear Lynn fine. <laughs> okay, excellent. I hear you fine. <laughs> I hear you fine too Vince it's
1: just a little bit of a lag that's all
0: I'm hearing you fine the next day (laughs) yes (laughs) it's a shame because we were going to reenact who's on first
1: This this is insane anyway we have an email from Sabria Hafiz hey Sabria I thoroughly enjoyed your live episode with Elizabeth Wellington uh, when you reviewed Slight. Remember Slight from last week, Vince? Oh, I do, I
0: do. Elizabeth, was I always love guest. when you have.
1: <laughs> it's like two whole minutes. Lag, <laughs> <The leg>. anyway. <laughs> I always love when you have a guest especially a smart, entertaining black woman. I have a critique, of course, regarding her comment of Tracy Ellis Ross and her glamorizing a black hairdo that was previously viewed in a negative light. She, of course, commented that hairstyles are uh, hairstyles when I criticized Adele's Bantu knots at that Caribbean festival, but was critical of a light-skinned, biracial Tracy Ellis Ross embracing blackness as not her right. Why is a black woman criticized but a white woman is beyond reproach? Interesting point. Um, anyhow, I actually want to discuss Whoopi Goldberg. Almost a year ago, you reviewed Jumping Jack Flash and questioned if she made any good movies due to Hollywood not knowing what to do with her. When you're not viewed as traditionally attractive in Hollywood, they of course don't know what to do with you, as pointed out by the late great critic Roger Ebert, who reviewed her in Burglar and proclaimed, sure, she looks a little funny, but why isn't she allowed to have (laughs) normal relationships in the movies? Why is she always packaged as the weirdo from Planet X? I love the telephone, um, Sabria, Continues, even knowing the twist at the end didn't ruin the rewatching of the film for me. I would love for you to review that soon and give us your takes. I found her to be so deep and funny and complex and fascinating in that film. So I'd love to hear your take. A forever fan of your podcast, Sabria.
0: Oh well, thank you, Sabria. Thank, thank you, you very Sabria. much, Sabria. You wanna, you want jump I, in I, or? I, I, I'm not familiar with the movie The Telephone. Are you? I am not. I was going to ask you. I've never heard of it before this exact second. And that's very exciting that there's a Whoopi Goldberg film that I've never heard of.
1: Okay. Vince is frozen
0: on my side. So I feel like he's talking. Oh, <laughs> boy. I didn't No, anything. no, no. All I said was... I- all I said was I've never heard of of the telephone, and then you start click clacking. So I thought you were pulling it up. <laughs> you still, oh, I you was. still not getting me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was. It's from nineteen eighty eight. Oh, interesting.
0: <laughs> this is gonna be a fun show tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the you know what? From you know what I'm going to do, Lynn? You the know the what? You know Lee what, and Lynn? Lynn, hold on. Time out. You know what I'm going to do? You know what I'm going to do? Hold on. Let's see if this works. Because we black people. And if it's one thing black people know how to do is improvise. Let me see if we can do this. For for y'all watching,
1: Vince is now calling me on my phone. Answer the phone.
0: Answer the phone, Negro.
1: In real time. On, on the uh, on the air, ladies and I'm putting him on the speakerphone. Hey, Vince, what's up? Hey Vince. Can you hear me? I hear
0: you. I hear you. In, real in real time, I hear you in real time. Yes, Vince, I have you on the speakerphone. Oh. Boom. So, how about we do it like this? You want to talk about um, Sabria's letter? Because I, I we can't leave Elizabeth hanging out in the wind like that. Well, uh, uh, Let's sure. Talk. Let's talk about Sabria's letter. <laughs>
1: Well, first, I want to talk about the the telephone because I hadn't heard of the movie, or at least I didn't remember it. It's from 1988. Stars Whoopi Goldberg is an out-of-work actress who starts doing prank phone calls, which create a chain of events. It's the one and only film directed by the late Rip Torn, uh, famously of the Larry Sanders show uh, fame.
0: How have we never heard of this? Oh, okay. So you never heard of it either? Okay. I'm, no, I've never heard of. I didn't know this
1: film even existed. Me neither. I, I was not aware of this film. Now, perhaps that's because it was made on a budget of two million dollars and grossed ninety nine thousand nine hundred and seventy eight dollars. Perhaps that's the reason why we never heard of this film. How does a film
0: starring Whoopi Goldberg? Not crack a million dollars. I know. In 1988. Oh, now we got to look this
1: thing up. We got to look it up. We got to
0: look it up. We got to look up the telephone. I tell you, it is is a testament to how good this film is tonight. Spoiler. That I don't want to just scrap this whole thing and go find telephone. Okay, Vince. Vince,
1: I'm looking at the comments because I thought this was the thing. I'm hearing you in my ear.
0: But the people on they're not here. They can't hear you because pe- your mic they're, is. They're muted. not hearing because my mic is mute. Okay, so all right, so let's do. All right, so if I unmute and I talk through the computer like this, can people hear me now? They can hear you, but and I can hear okay. you
1: real time because I've got you in my ear.
0: Okay, all right, then 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 d- d- look again right now. We just created jazz <laughs> in hip hop in quilts <laughs> in chicken and waffles. Like we just did that. We just did that. We did. And if you give us and if you give us a week, we going to make the shit look good. <laughs> you know what, Len? I was driving it was Saturday cuz I know it wasn't Sunday, but it was Saturday and I saw an older sister walking and she had like she looked like she was going to some type of church function because she had on her church, you know, church clothes. Right. And she had on a bedazzled mask. Right. You no, know, you know, face mask. And I said, boy, you give black people 15 minutes and they'll make anything fly. <laughs> so here we are in the middle of a pandemic. All black woman. She had a bedazzled face mask. And I said, that is all right. That is all right. All right. Okay. I didn't want to lose that that bit about Elizabeth not having as much smoke for um Adele. Adele as she did as she did um Tracy Ellis Ross. I'm not going to speak for her, but I don't know if that's necessarily true. I think what I got from the conversation and certainly this is what I thought is that like Adele, like, like Adele was, wasn't even worth the energy of a conversation. hmm Like, like, like she looked like a clown. She was, I mean, quite honestly, I don't understand Adele in general. Like, I don't really understand how Adele got famous. Right. Frankly. So I don't, like, like I'm never, like that was the longest I spent talking about Adele in my entire life. Mm-hmm. But I do think we have these fault lines in the community. And I think I used the term fault line last week. I think we have these fault lines in the community with colorism, with hair, with um, definitions of blackness, if you will. Right. Right. And at least on my part, I find Tracy Ellis Ross to be at sort of the middle of the Venn diagram of all three of these separate conversations. Like, like I think Tracy Ellis Ross, especially since she's been on blackish,
1: mm-hmm.
0: her hair has been part of her brand. And, you know, obviously she's a lighter skinned black woman. And then I think as a biracial black woman. You know, there. You, you know, we have these. We've been having these conversations like forever. Right. So, in my mind, I was much more interested in talking about Tracy Ellis Ross than dumbass Adele walking around looking nutty. So, I, I don't know if Adele is above reproach. I think Adele is not worthy of attention. Well, so I'll say that for myself, and you know,
1: I. I, I I think the 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 crux of Elizabeth's commentary, and again, we're trying to speak for her, or, or you know what? I won't speak for Elizabeth. I'll speak for my own viewpoint on the situation. I first of all, I didn't have any problem with Tracy Ellis Ross and her hair uh, on, mm-hmm. on on that cover. I was fine with it. I mean, it's, I don't think it's the most becoming. Uh, hairstyle for her but I don't think it's the most becoming hairstyle period and I and I and that wasn't the point of it you know to be becoming um, um, so I, I was fine with whatever commentary she was uh, uh, trying to make by appearing in that hairstyle and I will give her the license as a black woman to do it regardless of how she um, came about uh, uh being a black woman by way of having bir- biracial parents and not, she's a black woman first and foremost. So I didn't have any problem with that. Um, if if Elizabeth or if myself didn't have necessarily as much smoke for Adele, I think it may be because as a as opposed to the Tracy Ellis Ross, which was photo which was taken for a magazine so it was taken for publicity the impression that i got of the adele photo is that it was adele out somewhere as they mentioned at a festival you know um being one in the space and being very casual you know what i mean so okay so i don't okay i didn't feel like she was trying to necessarily make any type of statement as opposed to just getting into the spirit of wherever she was and possibly with whomever she was. And I'm going to give her the license to do so. I don't think she was trying to appropriate anything. You know, like, uh, like I think we even mentioned, it would be different if she then uh, goes, appears on the award shows or at some, you know, uh, talk show venue or something like that in in the in the public arena, you know, with that hairstyle, then then we're having a different conversation. But out there at some festival, I'm not going to knock her. You know what I mean? Yes, she, yes, you've got to know that you're always going to be pictures are you know photos are always going to be taken of you wherever you are when you are in the public limelight like that. But you can't allow that to stop you from living your life. So I didn't have as much smoke for her. For that reason, now, I don't want to speak for Elizabeth about that um and and it's and it sounds like based on the the feedback from sabria and and um feedback from a couple of other people who I know listened to the show last week with Elizabeth that Elizabeth may have to become a frequent uh contributor here on the michelle yeah. mission she was a she was a big hit um and I'm glad to hear yeah. that because she's yeah. she's cool people um But that was my, I believe that that was her main read on the situation. Like, again, I don't necessarily agree with her opinions in regards to Tracy Ellis Ross on that photo. But I think that's why it may have come off as not, you know, as equally smoky on the Adele
0: side as it was on the Tracy side. Sure. Right. And, And I will say this about the Tracy Ellis Ross thing. I also understand that this is a conversation. I mean, just sort of the nature of this show. It's just me and you talking most of the time. Mm -hmm. But like those three issues, I kind of you know, kind of colorism and how it affects Black women and hair and all of that. Like I actually do way more listening than talking. Right. Right. With that conversation. Right. And and you know, part of the reason I I was kind of Interested was because you know Elizabeth was a woman. She was a black woman, and and I wanted to hear where she was with that. But you know, I'll end I'll end this portion with Sabria. We'll try to do better. There you go. There you go. Uh, and thank you everyone who
1: who writes us and 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 shares your feedback with us. We welcome it. We really appreciate it. We always look forward to checking it out. And if you want to share your feedback with us, feel free to email us. At Micho Mission at gmail.com it's a, the email address is up there in real time on the screen for you to check out, and it's M I C H E A U X M I W S I O N at Gmail dot com. Uh, email us all all of your thoughts. Um, and Orphan Pixels says, uh, "Yep, lend my point last week as well." So someone else says Thank you, Orphan, for sharing. All, all right. right, sharing that. Uh Vince I I don't know if you were aware but last week or, or actually not even last week just a couple of days ago was the 2020 Emmy Awards. I know, I know. And boy did um <laughs> I you know you know the the Oscars are so white but but not the, I know. not the Emmys.
0: I th- I think me and you won an Emmy. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> they 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 gave Emmys to every black person they could find. I th- I think they did. <laughs> I, I, I literally think they did. Um uh,
1: uh uh we both were big fans of the HBO limited series Watchmen. Um yes, sir which, while also winning the award for the uh, Outstanding Limited Series, saw Emmy Awards given to Regina King for Outstanding Actress in a Limited Series and to Yahya Abdul-Mateen for Outstanding Supporting Actor in a Limited Series. Yes. That was really cool. And I actually... um, appreciated something that Yaya uh, said during his acceptance speech. I'm going to touch on that a little bit later. Um, later on in the show. Uh, but I was really happy to see both of them win awards as well as HBO was like housing, housing things. Zendaya, who you and I probably know mostly from uh, the the new Spider Man films, uh, Homecoming and Far From Home. Zendaya, Zendaya won for HBO's Euphoria, their uh, teen right, angst right. drama. Are you are are you uh, have you watched this this show Euphoria?
0: I, I don't I don't watch Euphoria, but I have to say I know her because I have a uh, um, teenage daughter. <laughs> And, and she was on KC Undercover oh. on the Disney Channel oh. so so Zendaya has been in my house for years okay okay see yeah I,
1: I, I was introduced to her in the Spider-Man films I heard she got sure. there by way of Disney but I was like yeah, okay I, I, for, for all I for all I knew that meant they saw her at Disney World and say hey do you want to make a movie so I did yeah <laughs> no um I will also say, though, I, I it was very interesting to note out that, you know, usually um, when the award times come come around, they are shouting out, you know, the fashions of the awards. And I only saw one person being shouted out for their fashion, and that was Zendaya. That was her who, who okay. when I saw the picture, I was like, wow, she really looks very nice. She looks very nice. Yeah, yeah and what i appreciated in her acceptance speech is that while being thankful for being recognized um and and being gifted for the award she along with a, a lot of other people took that moment to shine a light on all that has been going on as far as with the black lives matter movement and Keeping Brianna Taylor's name out there like Regina King look. did, and uh, look, it's, uh, and uh, uh, it, it, I, re- and, and considering that this was a young girl at the very start of her career, for her to have the wherewithal to, in the presence of mine, to do that first and foremost in her speech because that was the bulk of her speech, I think speaks very highly of her and and very highly of these the uh generation to come.
0: Yeah, yeah. She's yeah, she's she, she's a pretty capable young lady. I'm I'm happy with her. I'm happy for her career. It it somehow didn't well not somehow it didn't reach the um Michaud Mission Facebook page group. But you know, I'm super excited about Dune. Oh yeah that's right she's in Dune. Right. Oh yeah oh yeah so I'm I'm very happy for her and, and like you I, I I like her a lot.
1: Cool, cool, cool. And um, there were also other winners. uh, Uzo Aduba. um, I I may be mispronouncing her name. I apologize if I am. Uh, She won for a supporting role in the Mrs. America uh, limited series. uh, That was, I believe, is on Fox and also Hulu. um, That series. Your man... Dave Chappelle
0: won two awards. <laughs> yes, he for, yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yes, he did.
1: For outstanding writing. Too. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Oh, yes, he did. Uh, if you go to our Facebook yes, group, someone has shared those those very explicit comments from Dave Chappelle. Yeah. Um, It's funny. Just on a whim, I was actually listening to an old Dave Chappelle uh, comedy uh, um concert from 2000 killing them softly I was actually just li- listening to that today while I was doing some work um mm-hmm. it, it was funny it was funny to listen to that this this uh you know special which is 20 years old it was filmed in 2000 and one of the jokes is about how white people have discovered that black people, are being beaten by the cops because they saw yeah. a story about it in Newsweek.
0: Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, look, man, you and I are old enough to remember the the conversations around um Rodney King mm-hmm. and how it really was like people were flabbergasted by what was going on with the police and uh, yeah. Did you watch the um the OJ documentary from ESPN? The
1: the OJ the which oh yeah 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 um uh, uh what's it it's America Boasters OJ Simpson I believe is the name of it.
0: Well, I don't know if that because remember there was the um there, speaking of FX and and Fox remember there was the the drama the dramatization. Yeah. On FX. But I'm talking about the actual documentary that ESPN did.
1: No, that's what I'm talking
0: about. Yes, that, that is actually okay, yeah, what yeah. I watched. I didn't watch the, the docudrama. Right. Okay. The episode of the documentary when they talked about the role that cop shows and the media, appropriately enough, we'll, we'll touch on this tonight with this film, mm-hmm. but the role that the media has played in creating this persona of the police yeah yeah and if you haven't had interactions with the police and you haven't if you're not surrounded by people who've had interactions with the police it it is like you can like you can understand how you see something and it's like up is down and left is right like I've like like this is I've, I've, I've never even thought about this but it also speaks to the cocoons that many of us live in that's very true like it, that, you know, it took some videotape on television for you to understand that sometimes Officer Friendly isn't friendly. Right. That's right. Um, Deborah Battle actually shouts out
1: the next story I was going to in regards to the Emmy about uh, Ron Cephas. I I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Ron Cephas. Ron Cephas Jones. Ron Cephas Jones and his daughter Jasmine became the first Mm -hmm. father and daughter to win Emmys in the same year. Him for uh, his guest role in the TV series This Is Us and she for her part in the hashtag free Ray Sean show on Quibi. Right. Right. Uh, and they, they both walked home with, with Emmy Awards. I thought that was very, very special. Um, uh, I was reading about that, and Ron mentions, uh this is from uh, Shadow and Act, uh, as a parent, it's the most fulfilling thing that I could ever feel at this moment. Winning another Emmy is the icing on the cake, but to see my daughter progress... And move into this place where she's earned an Emmy is beyond words. And I tear up every time I think about it, to be honest with you, to see my daughter become healthy and happy. That's a parent's
0: dream. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And and of course, many of us met her because she was in Hamilton. Right. Right. So. So, yeah, she's having she's having quite a quite a, a, a few years right now. So good for her.
1: Good for her. Good for her. Aaron Aaron Fry asked the question in the twenty twenty one Emmy Awards, Lovecraft Country better pull down at least five awards. Um and it's not hard to imagine that it that it might in in fact win uh win a number of uh, awards. I mean
0: I, I mean the, the cast like like easily four or five people in the cast, I think, could be contenders, mm-hmm. and we haven't even gotten to direction and screenplay and costumes, right? And you you know, so yeah, I, I hear you, Aaron. I hear you. You he, know, once again, it's our weekly reminder that Misha Green is killing it on Lovecraft Country. She absolutely is. Um, and
1: but there was a, a interesting story on salon.com based on an interview that the writer did with Misha Green um, kind of like one of, on one of the press junkets to promote Lovecraft Country and how inevitably this writer was moved to ask the uh, inevitable question about how uh, Lovecraft Country and Watchmen seemingly were pieces of this movement that the country finds itself in in regards to black lives and black um concerns right okay and misha green welcomed the question as she did with so for so many other reporters on the junket but she questioned and and therefore so did it, the um, the article of you know how because these because of the topics that are, are, are covered in this book and in this time period and in this, the stories of Lovecraft Country and conversely with Watchmen sure they do seem to be of a time and to be of a specific moment but they also as Misha Green pointed points out first and foremost are there to entertain in the in the in the place of lovecraft country it's there to you know um be a suspenseful horror show as well and um we it, she 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 says that black artists have to be allowed to be able to sometimes just produce work that is just the work itself and is not trying right. to be an answer to you know everything that is happening and i remember i was reminded when reading that article of the time that we sat down with mayori ohms of black star film festival to review queen and slim and how that was what one of the things that she was saying that is sometimes you know a bit of a lament for black artists that they sometimes just can't put out their work and their work just can't be the work it for itself just be
0: the work right you know what i mean right it's got to be politicized it's got to have you, you know tackled some type of social issue yeah yeah i think i think that's right yeah i i i, I agree but but i think that's part of what makes something like Donald Glover's Atlanta or or Issa Rae's Insecure. So, you know, ironically radical. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I think while certainly there are issues on the periphery in both of those shows, they are not quote-unquote message shows. Like like we've talked about this before. Always think about Keenan Ivory Wayans and Don't Be a Menace to South Central. Right where he pops up periodically and says message, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and 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 I think I think Misha Green's absolutely right. Although I would say that the that Lovecraft Country is probably a bad example because I think it's sort of baked into it that it has these social concerns got at the root of it. But at the same time, like the episode where they broke into the museum was just a fantastic. Indiana Jones riff, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like you knew what was you knew what it was about. You knew everything that was going on, but it was or even last week's episode in Korea, which is is just this wonderful kind of take on Korean mythology, right? So, so even within Lovecraft Country, you can see her playing with different things, and and I agree, I agree. Black artists should have the space to. To create anything without being beholden to it being overtly social, so yeah, yeah.
1: Um, so that's our 2020 Emmy Awards report, ladies and gentlemen. There are tons of other, um, you know, mm-hmm. Emmys that were done on the creative side. they were done on the production side. You know, b- black faces were up in the place, and um, that's to be celebrated. You know, uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, it was. It's a. It's a beautiful thing, and and and. I didn't watch the NBA awards, you know. It's just, it's just weird. I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like off awards. I think at some age you get kind of like off awards, you know. I don't know why. I don't. Know. Hey man, my age was
0: 21, I think. Oh wow, <laughs> <laughs> wow. So you don't watch any awards? Is there any awards? Yeah, these- I, don't, I None? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna say what I've been saying. Um, <laughs> it's funny. I was listening to I think Mississippi Masala the Mississippi Masala episode, and it was right after Moonlight won. Mm-hmm. And I said the same thing then that I've said all along. I am very, very happy for the practical rewards that these awards bring these Black creatives. Right. Like, I want, I want Black creatives to win all the Emmys, all the Tonys, all the Oscars, because of the doors that those accolades open for them. Mm-hmm. But as far as it as any type of parameter of what is and is not worthy of, of my celebration and what I think is good, you, you know, appropriately enough, conversation you and I've been having um for something that we're trying to put together. Never forget Driving Miss Daisy won best picture. <laughs> and Do the Right Thing wasn't even nominated Never ever forget that. Well, we won't, Vince, because you won't let us. Thankfully, you damn right. That's (laughs) that's my hill. That's actually my hill. Like I've planted my flag on that hill, and I'm gonna die on that hill. Okay. All right, Vince. Um, Speaking of which. Because I feel like we need to transition, but I want to get this out. Uh, Rest in peace to Stanley Crouch. Oh. The great jazz critic, the great uh, social critic, uh, Stanley Crouch, who was the epitome of someone who I disagreed with, like maybe 90% of everything that he believed Hmm. and wrote about. But I had the utmost respect for him as an intellect and as a critic. So... That, that's that's a real loss, Stanley Crouch dying. Okay, so I'm I'm curious though. You are saying that you you disagreed with him, with him like '90s? Yes, like right. Like Stanley Crouch uh, primarily was a jazz critic, and Stanley Crouch along with Wynton Marsalis were pretty much the people in the '80s who who said that jazz should be a fixed object. Like this is jazz and this isn't jazz. Oh, okay. And and for instance, they discounted Miles Davis's electric work, if you will. Mm. And mm. and you know somebody like um, you know Kamasi. Wa- well, Kamasi Washington is actually a bad example because he is pretty traditional. But like you know, I- you know, like I think Flying Lotus is jazz
1: mm-hmm.
0: and. And, you know, um, oh, I just forgot my man's name. Anyway, I feel like jazz is vibrant and amorphous and, and, and is ever-evolving. And that's part of what makes it jazz. Mm-hmm. And he didn't believe it. And then, you know, he had, you know, like he had a lot of opinions on black nationalism. And he got into it with Spike Lee, speaking of Spike Lee in the 90s. But he was fiercely intelligent. Like, fiercely intelligent, and and he would piss me off everything he wrote, but I loved reading what he wrote, and and I'm sad that he's dead. So you know, rest in peace, Stanley Crouch. Uh- and read some Stanley Crouch folks. I'm, I'm
1: reading here, uh, Robert Boynton of the New Yorker wrote about Stanley Crouch saying enthusiastic, yeah. combative and never averse to attention. Crouch has a virtually insatiable appetite for controversy. Few cultural critics have a vision as eclectic and intriguing as Stanley Crouch's. Fewer still actually fight to prove their points.
0: Yeah, yeah. Robert Glasper is who I was thinking of. Robert Glasper is one of my favorite artists of the past 10 years, and I don't know how much Stanley Crouch would let Robert Glasper come into Jazz House. Mm. So. Okay. Yeah, Wynton Marsalis said
1: that he was his best friend.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, look, that, that sort of classic jazz renaissance in the in the early mid 80s oh, you know we're not supposed to talk about Bill Cosby anymore but Bill Cosby Wynton Marsalis and Stanley Crouch like I really do think the three of them kind of did a reset on how we talk about jazz okay and then they would say a whole bunch of stuff I disagreed with but it's okay to disagree with people no they- anyway I wanted to shout him out make sure that you, you know make sure we talked about him a little bit wow thank you, thank you Vince
1: Um, Mm -hmm. with that ladies and gentlemen it is time for us to get into our review of
0: 1951's The Well we'll be back with the film review soon as we do something funky and have steps in it She's lost again. We've looked everywhere. Martha,
1: you shouldn't have called me away from work again.
0: But I'm worried, Ralph. She didn't come home for lunch and I went up to the school and the teacher said that Carolyn didn't get to school this morning.
1: She was standing right there outside the window looking at the flowers the way she does every morning. Uh, then this fellow walked out and spoke to her. After a minute, he came in and, and, and bought some violets, Then he went out and gave them to her. But uh, I I didn't pay much attention at the time. you sure you never saw this man before? No, I never saw him before. What did he look like? Well, he was sort of average-looking fellow. I wasn't paying much attention then. Late 30s, uh, early 40s, sort of a fair complexion. Brown hair, uh, maybe blonde. Blonde hair? Oh, uh, he wasn't colored. He was a white man. Here's the white man you're looking for. You got any ideas who it is?
0: What's it all about,
1: Quigley? White man kidnapped a colored girl not going around to kill her. All right, quickly, you can drop it. Huh? I said drop it. What's playing, Ben? Yeah, come on, give out. My kid's lost
0: and we're trying to find her, that's all.
1: Now, so what if I did buy her some flowers? What does that prove? I'm no kidnapper. You can't accuse me of this. Look, will you give me a break? I've got a family. Don't mix me up in anything like this.
0: What do you mean, anything like this?
1: What don't you want to get mixed up in? This kid. It's a terrible thing. How do you know it's terrible? Just how much more do you know that you're not telling us? The authorities are bound to be biased. It's only natural they'll be influenced by race prejudice. I don't think in this case, in this town, race prejudice will influence justice. But this is a unique situation. A white man's accused of a crime against a Negro child. This time, the shoe's on the other foot.
0: The Well is a 1951 American drama directed by Leo Popkin and Russell Rouse and starring Richard Rober and Mady Norman. It tackles the issue of racial tensions and collective behavior. When a little black girl goes missing and rumors circulate that she was last seen with a white man, Claude Packard, Sheriff Ben Kellogg has his hands full trying to quell tensions between the black community, who fear Packard will be treated leniently, and the white reactionaries who worry he will be lynched. Released in 1951, a screenplay by Russell Rouse and Clarence Green and directed by Russell Rouse and Leo Popkin, who also produced it, he being Leo Popkin. The Well was the choice of Lynn Webb. Lynn, what say you of The Well?
1: This one has it all, ladies and gentlemen. This one has it all. The Well from 1951 has race relations it has race riot dialogues it's got black people white people living hand in hand in solidarity and then exploding in in just violence and and mayhem in the streets it got it has a sheriff one lone man standing up against a wall Of bigotry and confusion that has overtook his city. This film is absolutely insane. (laughs) That's, that's all. That's, it starts off, it, it, okay, all right. The well starts off with a, a little black girl. Who you see skipping through the meadows, where later we find out that she's five years old. She doesn't appear that she could be more than three or four years old, but she looks like she's about, but we're told that she's five years old. And she's skipping through a meadow. Now, Meadow, <laughs> Meadow is not really doing what she's justice. She's skipping through dry grass, in fact. Actually, Mm -hmm. more to the point, as the movie comes on, this five-year-old is skipping down the road. And no, not you know, just skipping down a lane. No, the road. We know it's the road because it's that same street. We later see cars driving down. This was the street that this little black girl was skipping five years old on her way <laughs> on her way to school because apparently in 1951's Anytown, USA, black people felt sure it's time for you to go to school, honey. And they just open the door and let their little five-year-old just go skipping tra-la-la out the door to school. We'll get into, you know, where the hell were these people living in just a moment. But this little black girl is skipping along, falls into... An abandoned well, or the shaft of a well. It's not like she went climbing up. When you, fi- you when you picture a well, you picture like this this rock formation with like a little,
0: you right, know, right.
1: hood on it, and, and a bucket that would be let down into into you know to to scoop up some water. No, this well is a hole in the wall. It a hole in the in the earth. It is literally like this doorway to hell that she falls down <laughs> in the middle of this, 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 this dusty field um, on her way to school. I don't know. I don't know how this is on her way to school. It Apparently somewhere, somewhere along the line,
0: she got off the beaten track. You know, you would right. know that. They it said she wanders off. They did. I mean, they did say she wanders off a lot. Which maybe seems like why somebody should be with her going to school, but... I mean, no no offense. She's five years old.
1: So, if she, If we conservatively imagine that the parents were doing their due diligence until she was mm, three, then wanders (laughs) off a lot means that she has been wandering off a lot since she was four years old. At some point, it tells you... You need to hold this little girl's hand when she leaves the house, you know. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's face it. One time is, hey, you need to watch where you're going. Two times is, okay, you need a leash, or I need to have your hand. I'm, mean, I'm sorry, right. but for the for the for the the story to uh, to march on. This young girl has to fall down this well. And all of a sudden, every no one knows what's happened. She's not at the school. She wanders off. Oh, maybe she'll... You can't... Uh, the, the mother is, is upset because she doesn't know where her daughter is. She calls her husband home from work. He's like, well, you know, she wanders off all the time. You can't be calling me. They call the sheriff. The sheriff's like, they're going to put on an APB for this little girl which you got to understand talk about cop copaganda this this sheriff mm-hmm. and these these mm-hmm. these in, in this little any town USA ladies ladies and gentlemen mm-hmm. mind you this is maybe a step above this is probably maybe two city council members above mayberry where they live here mm-hmm. in this town right um this sheriff goes back to, you know, headquarters, and dutifully puts out an APB for this young five-year-old Negro girl, last seen on her way to school. Just keep your uh, your eyes out for her, blue dress, yada, 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 yada. They are doing their job to look for the look for this young girl. Hey, I, I, again, I don't know what town they're living in, but Apparently in this Hollywood any town USA the cops right. do do their job. Well, some of them will 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 get over to it. Um somewhere along the the way, you learn that this young girl who we saw in the beginning of the film skipping through a meadow had somehow on her way made it through town and was looking at some flowers at a flower shop when some white guy felt moved to not only buy her a flower because she was looking at it also to help her across the street and and after that all hell breaks loose because oh there was a white guy that was seen with the what that was last seen with the black girl and now we can't find the black girl. Well, let's find the white guy. Well, it sounds like the the white guys are uh uh uh, uh um related to the the one of the right. the rich man the in town, the big man mm-hmm. in town, big businessman yeah. in town. So, you know, you gotta treat him with kid gloves and the, the black people get catch wind of that. It's like, oh man, they're gonna let the, they gonna let that white guy off, man. Even though all of a sudden the rumors start to start to circulate about, you know, um you know they they say that he he grabbed the girl or was seen running off with him all of a sudden all of these stories circ- start circulating about what may have or may not have ha- happened to this black girl which you know sparks all this racial tension that you know you knew was living under the surface in this town right you knew it right, was just right. there now mind you up until then you're watching Black people and white people living their lives, w- w- walking hand in hand. You know, it's like it's like the the Stevie Wonder, Paul McCartney song, "Come to Life" uh, in real time. You know, Ebony and Ivory, the two keys of the right. piano, living once get until somebody hits that that wrong note, which is this young girl falling into into the well, and all of a sudden, everything starts bumbling up, blowing up. White guys are attacking black guys. Black guys are attack, attacking white guys. And then the most insidious thing of, of all, the true monsters on this earth, <laughs> I, I I shouldn't speak in, you know, in uh, uh, uh you know generally like this, but a white woman not only ratchets things up. But creates—I mean, everything else is just based on rumor and innuendo. What they think may have happened because this white guy was seen with this young, this young little black girl, and no one knows what happened. So everybody starts, you know, speculating to, you know, uh, 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 let their imagination run wild with what may have happened in that scenario. But no, some young little white teenager, however, because one of her white. Uh, boyfriend doesn't give her enough attention. She feels in the moment she feels moved to make create whole cloth that there was a black mm-hmm. man that actually deemed to hit on me. And you're just going to let this black man hit on me, and that just sends everybody through the roof. And the next thing you know, you have you have race riots in the streets of. Mayberry USA or pseudo Mayberry USA as this town. This unnamed town has come to be known in this film. Now one thing you have to know about this film going in is that the well is loosely based on a true story. It's loosely based on the um, story of Katie Fuchs I believe from the uh, the late forties, early fifties, a young three-year-old girl who actually fell into a well, um, and unfortunately was unable to be rescued from that well. She actually um, right, right died, died before they were able to yeah. reach her. Uh, when the writers of this film wanted to make a movie of this, they had the the thought: What happens? If you change the race of that little girl, what happens uh, uh, then? And and I I will have to say that that is an an ingenious stroke to 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 do with this story because it could have been very easily to just run with the story of Katie Fuchs. It was a popular story of his time. It was almost mm-hmm. the, the the rescuing of her from the well was a live event that was broadcast on the. Then, very new television screens. Um, it unfortunately had a bad ending because when he pulled her body up she was no longer alive but this was a live event that captivated the, the nation at the time. So they could have easily just ran with that story but to change the race to a black girl does invite you to have a, a, a lot of biting social commentary in this, in this film. The problem with that though is that this social commentary is still very much through a white lens. And because it is through the white lens, this film very much tries to have it their cake and to eat it too. So while at the same time, this film villainizes this, this town for running off with innuendos and, and rumor and the ensuing racial violence that it stirs up in this community, it also wants to redeem those same, you know, uh enactors of this violence by having them all join in for the rescue of this little girl. And what makes that all the more insidious is that. In joining in for the rescue of this little girl, they rob any agency from the black community as being part right. of that rescue. The right. black community, who were rightfully, um, you know, uh, uh, concerned that when a white person was brought in to be questioned about the disappearance of this of this young girl, because of this. This uh, white person who was played by um, Colonel Potter from MASH. Uh, and I just joined a blank on the actor's name. Oh my God. Harry Morgan. Harry Morgan. Right. Harry Morgan. Harry Morgan. A very young Harry Morgan. I was like, look, Harry Morgan. I didn't know he had colored yeah. hair. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, when, when he, his connection to the, 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 the big businessman in town is related. The, the the white, the black population of this town is rightfully concerned because they feel, oh, he's going to get off lenient. Because as in 1951, black people realize that, hey, if that had been me, I'd have already been lynched. But so. Right, which is what they said. It's what they said. Exactly yeah, that's actually in the script. Yeah. So the, the script does give speech to black people speaking about how they would have been treated in this in this situation and the the script does give um uh does give light and shed light on how easily the flip can be uh switch in white people who were all about you know kumbaya one and one with with the race to quickly having the n word on their lips and spewing it with with wild abandon um, and ready to run all of these black people out of the town and even a lynch some if, if need be, but those same those same people are the ones who when they come together to rescue this young girl, they're the ones that right. we're, suppo- we're supposed to, we are asked, as the viewer, we are asked to um, feel through the young girl through their images, through their concern for the young girl, through the actions that they are taking to rescue the young girl. Meanwhile, her parents are just,
0: are, are, are just bystanders they're
1: just innocent, just bystanders they're just sidelined yeah. through yeah, everything become bystanders um the black mm-hmm. community is quickly sidelined and left behind right. and left behind the, the ropes so much so that the black community are not even allowed to have their own spiritual leader the spiritual leader of the white community right is the one who comes to console the the black family and even in doing that he doesn't even offer any consolation he just puts his hand on his shoulder and then keeps it moving right right I mean right you know as much as this movie wants to give voice to black people and about how they've been treated in black america it doesn't really want to give voice to them it wants to give as much voice as their uh white understanding will allow, you know? Um and I think that while in 1951 you've got to champion the the uh hubris and, and the 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 moxie to make this film and to flip the story the way that they they do I think that it, uh you still can't give them a total pass because they dropped the ball, and I think they realize they dropped the ball because not because the only way that they, they, they villainize these white people so badly through the first hour of this movie that they spend a whole nother 45 minutes rescuing the right the girl because it takes you, yeah. It'll, it's going to take you that long to That's possibly to forget how yeah. villainous they were so that they can be redeemed at the end. Um, and I think that is really a shame because not only do they sideline the, the parents, not only do they sideline the black community, they even in a way sideline the, the young black girl. Because outside of hearing her voice a couple of times over the radio, she is not even her voice is not even allowed to be heard in this film. Even so much to the point that when she is rescued from the well, you don't see her. You never. She's yeah. she's wrapped in a cloth and immediately put into an ambulance. That I don't understand why the parents don't crowd into the ambulance as well, but she instantly put into an ambulance and is left to the white protagonist of this film the sheriff to tell us that she's going to be okay we're not allowed to see her being okay because at the end of the day this movie i think doesn't care about her story doesn't really understand how to portray that story correctly so as much as i want to like this story it's a it's a fail for me it's a big fail for me because it's a swing and a huge miss
0: I agree, although I think maybe I give it more credit for it being 1951 Be- because even with that last 45 minutes where they do try to redeem these people, I don't understand how that first hour made it to film. like I don't understand how it went through the process of 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 being written and and people acted it out and people produce you know I know the producer and the director were the same person but this is quite the radical depiction of one of these towns for nineteen fifty one you know as mm. you said you you know I I think it does a really good job showing how these things snowball and and how how, you know, I, I put in my, in my notes racist telephone, racist game of telephone. Right, right. Where, you know, rumor, innuendo, things are simmering right under the surface. I thought it was a wonderful piece. actually like the script. I thought it was a wonderful piece of really subtle foreshadowing. That the first thing that the father says when he comes home, when Caroline is missing is you can't be calling me off my job. You know how hard it is to get a job in a town like this, which I thought was a really subtle way of showing that when you're black in this town, you are in this secondary position. I I thought the fact that they acknowledged that the law was going to let um, Harry Morgan's character off, through the voices of black people. I mean, we just talked a half hour ago about how white people were flabbergasted when they found out that black people were beaten by the police. Mm-hmm. And and even if we go to Rodney King, Rodney King was 30 years after this film mm-hmm. where you had black people acknowledging the difference in the treatment from, from the law. Like you, I rolled my eyes about the police sheriff being the moral center. But you know, it's 1951 and by it's 1951 it's America. Like if we cut this off right now and and turn on CBS in a half hour, CBS is going to have 3 hours of heroic white guy cops. That's true. And that's just like like that's what they do for so for 1951, I don't know how you expect anything else. And the fact that they had the one deputy that was kind of racist and they acknowledged that he was a deputy and he was racist. I said, oh, OK, well, that's something I, I will give you. you I will give that one because
1: I, I will give you that because. They acknowledge him being racist, but they also I, I will say that they also acknowledge that he didn't see himself as being racist, which is often right. He saw himself as just being, you know, every day, every day. You know because his right. his racist was the most insidious it was, it was just very subtle you know he he picked he saw these uh white guys and black guys
0: fighting and uh, both of equal you know, no he didn't he said he saw a black guy who attacked six white guys that's
1: right, that's right,
0: that's right He said he attacked six white guys right and then it's it's a fairly quick moment in the film. But I thought it was striking that they depicted a white woman creating whole cloth a story of a black man sexually accosting her. This is 1951. This is actually four years before Emmett Till. Right. So the fact that they they acknowledge, I mean, this is in the fabric of America. This sort of virginal white womanhood that needs to be protected. I mean that's the whole birth of a nation thing. So for for them to <laughs> depict a white woman lying on a black man and then them showing what comes from that. I mean I got to say I was ready to give the film like the film could have went off right there. And I said I said okay, okay. But I feel I, I I actually agree with you like I almost feel like they got the ball rolling so much with depicting this that they said basically what you said, "Oh my god, we've gone too far." Yeah. Exactly. And now we got to figure out how to fix this. But now we filmed all of this, so we got to put it in there. Mhm. But now we got to figure out how to fix it. Yeah. And 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 you're right, the last 40 minutes are are uh, almost undo the the rest of the film. I do have to say, I, I thought just from a filmatic point of a filmatic point of view, the imagery of them creating the shaft, I thought was pretty well done. Like I like I really enjoyed them creating the shaft and coming up with the plan and 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 yes, if you turned it on right then, you would think this was a film just about white people because now we got to bring the white experts in, right. To deal with all this stuff, and and yeah, that is jarring after this entire film. But look, I I think look,
1: see, but my thing, my thing about them building that that shaft, which it it, there's a part of that because, like we said, that is literally forty five minutes, and there's a part of that which I can appreciate because sometimes in films, um, it the, the there is a rush to kind of like speed through those type of situations. Right. Um, Right. And to kind of like cut to the chase. So I can appreciate them trying to show how arduous this, um, this endeavor was um by showing them digging a huge hole and then realizing like oh my god that's going to hit rock and now we've got to build a shaft we got we got to start all over and, and it all of a sudden you know day turning into night as the crowd is just a, a, a masses there i can appreciate that and i can even appreciate like you said in them showing the beginning of the building of this shaft but when you but in the midst of that when you give me Five minutes of pistons pistoning. Five minutes <laughs> of hammers hammering. Five minutes of water filling in a hole. Um, ten minutes of us telling, of them telling us how much mud they're slogging through. And well then bring up the mud. And then we've got five minutes of the mud bringing, coming up. That's when, and and then you wash, rinse, and repeat with some of that image being presented yet again and again and again. Um, that's when it becomes, yo, all right, now y'all getting on my nerves. Especially when, in the midst of all that, all of you, all you are doing, are seeing the parents standing off on the side, like Whistler's parents. Um, the the father. Of the grandfather standing there in the same suit that he's had on the whole day hasn't even taken off his jacket hasn't gotten a bit of dirt on it him standing there looking like I don't know what the uncle to their point the uncle is playing a part in in doing the digging but that's it um you're yeah yeah and and, and mind you. You got to remember, this is the little girl's uncle that is helping with digging. This is the little girl's uncle who is down the shaft at the moment that they find this little girl. And yet the person that comes up from the shaft with the little girl is the white guy. It's not right, like it was Harry just Morgan. some other other yeah. black miner. It was her uncle, the one who she would know. You know what I mean? Right, right, uh, right. But no, the white guy is the one that comes up with her, right? Um, and, and all of that is just a deliberate attempt to redeem these people. I agree with you. That first half is radical. It is radical to think that in 1951, this mo- this movie already knew that, yes, white women lie on black people. They, you know, they didn't just make that up for the movie. That's based on something that they saw that they knew, whether or not it was somebody, somebody told them that or or whatever. They based that on something that they knew. When they are in the mayor's office and they have, you know, a a man that is giving you a, a blow by blow depiction of what you can expect from a race riot. Yeah. Um, and that a, a great monologue, by a, the way, a great monologue, and I believe that was by uh, Ernest Anderson, one of the one of the very few, you know, actual actors that was cast in this movie. A lot of it was just people yeah. pulled from this from this um, from this town that they filmed it in, but that monologue, giving you of exactly what is expected in a race riot, was very riveting. It was it, it was it was very powerful stuff, especially when as he's giving it giving that monologue, you can see the people in that room, you know, visually being affected by what he, what he said. One, another black man, because he knows he ain't, he ain't speaking nothing but the truth. And these other white people, it's like, oh my God, it gets like that? So that the right, opening right. part of this is radical, and parts of it can almost be a documentary of that time, right? But that's... So that's the swing, but then those uh, the last forty five minutes just lets all of that off, and it it, it just right. It and and it's such such a waste. It 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 right. really
0: is. I wanted to champion this film. Sure. So so in your mind, because in my mind, while yes, it tries to redeem them, but it also. It's also, uh, I thought, a good depiction of the duality of these. Like, in my mind, yes, it lets them off the hook. But then it also says, it's sort of like my my ongoing beef with the greatest generation thing. Mm-hmm. With, you, you know, talking about these old white guys in World War II and the Nazis and, and they're just heroes. But these are also the exact same men that came home and enacted segregation. Mm-hmm. And, and and racism and all of this stuff. Like, I kind of like that they're the same people. And this film shows that they're the same people. Like, by the end, Packard gives this, like, kind of knowing wink to his nephew. And he's almost got this roguish charm. You know, he's smoking the cigar. But this is the same guy who said, you know, I'm not going to let some nigger kid ruin your life. And was putting together an actual lynch mob. Right. Right. So, I kind of look at it that way. That I almost like that. Like I like that these like these are all the same people. See, see, so. I don't like that. I don't like that because
1: that same guy, like you said, again, one of the one of the um, the known actors in this movie, Barry Kelly, playing playing that role to the hilt. Um... He is the person. He is as the big man Packard, the guy who says, "I'm not going to let some nigga kid ruin your life." He is the one that is putting together a lynch mob, right? He is the he is the one that is um, that is like incite, ready to just like you know set the town on fire, you know, basically like yeah, oh yeah, like, dar- oh, daring yeah. the police to stop him. You know what I mean? Oh, so yeah. he is he is that person. But by the end of the movie, like you said, oh he seems like he's just a rogue it, you see like his roguish charm. He's got the wink with uh with his with his nephew who now the nephew I think played by Harry Morgan, I think you see the duality in that nephew because one you realize that, well, we always knew because we saw the little girl falling the well. Yeah. We always knew that he was innocent. So you see the duality in him. In that, hey, I saw a black. I saw a. I didn't see a black a black girl looking at a at a flower. I saw a little girl looking at a flower. So I bought her the flower. I had like a couple of dollars. I I, I bought her a flower. You know what I mean? And then I realized mm-hmm. she's five years old. Why is this five year old girl on the streets by herself? <laughs> Let me make sure <laughs> right. that she can get across the street.
0: So right, and not wander off. Exactly, you know what I mean. Now it's like Pennywise is in the sewer, talking about we got candy and balloons down here. Exactly, you know what
1: I mean. So, so you see the duality in him because after being put to, through the ringer by the police, after having the whole um, town of of black folks coming for his head he's ready to get up out of this town when it's actually realizes that he that he is innocent he's like yo i'm sorry that your town exploded but i don't live here i'm out you know <laughs> to mean? my wife and two kids you know what i mean i'm 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 going i don't care if i never see y'all mother f- again i'm i'm out
0: <laughs>
1: right but but he does come and show up because he realizes that he has skills that they need to get down into the shaft, right? And he's not begrudgingly doing this, and he's not doing this out of any sense of loyalty to his uncle or anything like that. And, and, And a part of him is probably not even doing it out of you know, any type of loyalty to the little girl, he's doing it because that's who he is. At his heart, he is the guy who just bought the little girl a flower and helped her across the street. He is a good guy, right? So that's where you see, to me, the duality. This film wants you to let Big Boss Packard off the hook. This film wants you to 100% let him off the hook because he came in with his big drill bit and his big and his big uh, tractors and dump trucks and everything and created the shaft to get to the little girl. This film wants you to let his foreman off the hook, the one who was Lockstep with Packard, ready to go um, find any black man that he can, he can and hitch him to the back of his truck and drive him out of out of town. This this movie yeah. wants you to let him off the hook because he got his hands dirty building up this shaft and going down in there and digging out the the dirt out of there. This film wants you to let them off the hook because it shows you them in the camera them being fe- affected by you know rescuing this little girl but it does not want to give any voice to how the black population how these parents see that man because they know which w- they know which way
0: he was really going you know what i mean they right. and and regardless of him rescuing this girl they know how he can go tomorrow exactly because you have now shown
1: your true your true self right, right. The, the black people in this town like you say the, from the first movie this was always under the surface they always they they pretty much were just living their lives waiting for this other shoe to drop if it never dropped great but they were waiting because that's how they've lived their right, life right. they know that the other shoe was always dangling above Above their their necks, you know what I mean? So
0: right. it's like a shoe of Damascus,
1: exact, exact, nice. So you like that, right? Very good, very good. This, this, see, this see, this is why you're on the mission, bro. So, um, this is why we got to talk on the phone because we keep it quick. <laughs> So, so you, this, you understood their righteous indignation in being, in being uh, riled up as they were, right? Um, right, right. But the film, while giving voice to that, just just lets that totally dissipate, and the, and and so so much so that the last voice that we hear from from the black voices is them just being up in arms about white people bashing bashing us on the head. Right. We're not uh, um, invited to understand their resignation of her still being alive and what oh my god we are going to tear up this tear up this town you know what i mean we're not we're not made privy to the open wounds that this town is 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 still suffering it's still gonna have yeah because at the end of the movie at the end of the movie what you maybe get that because it's an aerial shot. It's a crane shot looking down at the ambulance drive away with the little girl, even though you've been told she's all right. But they got to take her to the hospital. That makes sense. Right. right and you're seeing right. the crowd disperse. Maybe you get evidence to the open wound if in that crowd disbursement, you see the black people going one way and the white people going another. But you don't.
0: You you don't get that.
1: You see the you're right. You see the crowds pretty you're much right. leaving off on their own. And again, this film doesn't understand black people. Never mind black people. This under- film doesn't understand parentage. It doesn't even show the parents leaving after the ambulance. It shows them letting the ambulance walk off and then just still standing there. I'm like, what the hell is going on in this, in this movie? So notice, you're right. This movie, it, 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 you're right. It's just a big swing and the miss. And it's a shame. Yeah, you,
0: you are right. You are right. You are right. You've actually convinced me. You're, you're right. There there are enough missteps in the last part that it doesn't. The first part doesn't does is is not is not greater than than the missteps at the end. You're right. You are right. I'd actually like to see them remake this. Oh, whoo, whoo. I'd actually like to see them remake this ooh, ooh. because I, cause I really do think until it goes off the rails, this, this is a really fascinating film. Oh yeah, man. Like all the way up until little Timmy finds her in the well. Mm-hmm. I really was like, I don't know where this thing is going. I know. I know. Right. Right. So And
1: shout out to little Timmy. And this is one thing I will give that was kind (laughs) of cool to me. Little Timmy, who with his faithful dog, Toto Light, finds uh, Carolyn in the well. Shout out to little Timmy, who doesn't go back to tell his parents. I like that little Timmy goes to (laughs) Caroline's parents. That's right. I appreciate. She's like, no, 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 no. I found your daughter. Come with me. I appreciate that. I will like that. Shout out to that. Right. Shout out to that. Right.
0: Uh, Aaron. Apparently the police and the men are um, too busy about to have a race riot.
1: Right. Right. So us us women got to go and and handle this again. Again, like to your point, this, I'd love to see this being remade to see how much more agency the women would have in this movie. Yeah. Aaron Fry says that the story reminded him of a couple of Twilight Zones uh, episodes, uh, which Deborah Battles said she was thinking exactly the the same thing. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And Orphan Pixel says that Len is not buying the Well of Human Kindness.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, he is not. No. (laughs) No, he is not. I'm (laughs) not. Damn that. Cause I love because I love the fact when they come and they tell um Packard they, they they found the kid, the first thing Packard says is, what kid? Right. Like he's completely forgotten about the kid. Like we're about to race war. Mm-hmm. hmm <laughs> So yeah. Yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame. It is it is a shame, man. Um uh yeah, this
1: is a movie I would love I would love to see. I would love to see a remake might might be interesting but I but what I would also say though is that not for nothing I wouldn't mind having this film screened for a mixed audience as it is okay to see yeah. to to and and maybe and maybe ooh this might even be more more fun to have this film screened for a black audience and a white audience and right. then to just be like one of those like behind the mirrors and just listen to the feedback from the two audiences right. and how and, and right. their
0: viewpoints on how this film plays out. Right. Well, you know, in my mind, the um the most beautiful example of that since do the right thing. Where where you had you could almost break down the audience reaction racially by who was more upset by Saul's burning down than um than Radio Rahim getting murdered. You saw Get Out in the theater, didn't you? Yes, I did. You could actually draw a line down the middle of the theater of people's reactions when the police drove up at the end.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Yeah. So,
1: yeah, yeah. That, that you're right. You're right. That was a, ooh, that was a,
0: a, a, little, a nice little uh, experiment right there. Uh. I mean, you know, not not to get to get out, but I mean, that's that's the form. Like that's the form of the horror movie. Like when the police show up at the end of these movies, it's like a signal that it's a return to normalcy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know that now order has come back into the chaos that we've watched throughout this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're a black man sitting next to a dead white woman. <laughs> <laughs> then things are going to be a bit more complicated at the end of the horror movie. Things might be a little <laughs> a little complicated. <laughs> might get a little complicated. You ever see the um the alternate ending To get out? No, I haven't. It's exactly what you think it is. So it's not um, Lil Rel who shows up. It's actually the police. And he gets arrested. Wow. wow! And like the alternate ending is is Lil Rel going to visit him in prison. Really? Yeah. Jordan Peele said he thought that was too depressing even for him. (laughs) Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Orphan Pixel says, it's a through line right up to Green Book. Black people aren't permitted an arc. We're supposed to leave the cinema feeling vicarious pleasure that the white protagonist has learned how great we are. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, again, I, I still have to give it a little bit of credit for it to be 1951. But I, I, can't, I, I can't really argue with you ab- about everything, everything that you said about the last... Half hour, forty five minutes. So, but now you're sending mixed messages because you're talking about screenings. So, I guess the the sixty four thousand dollar question is, Lynn, would you recommend the well? I would recommend it. I, I I think that it's a film. Um,
1: like I said, I think it's a film that would sparks conversation. You know, I think that uh-huh. I think for as much of a miss as it is, and it is ultimately a miss. I think there is still an audaciousness to this film like you say in that you have to remember this is 1951. This is we are we are um just outside of World War 2 in the midst of World War 1. I. I mean uh, excuse me, the Korean War at this time, right? Um race relations are not good in America at this time um and to have this idyllic scenery of America you know being turned on its ear so quickly is striking for a film from 1951. Especially considering yeah. when you when you think about it, like we mentioned, this film has very few actual actors in it. I think there's maybe about right. four or five. Right. Pretty much the, 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 the film is made up of people drawn from, from the town in which it was filmed to do this role. It was made on a shoestring budget of $450,000 and it does may have some very you know bold statements to make about race and um how we are with one another at this time so i would I would recommend that people see this film and but more importantly recommend this, watching this film giving yourself enough time to have a real serious conversation about it later and inviting people to watch it with you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I agree. Again, back to what I, I said earlier, this is four years before Emmett Till. And and part of what made Emmett Till's lynching so memorable was Mrs. I mean, uh, Emmett Till's mother saying she wanted the open casket and those, those amazingly graphic pictures of his abused and mutilated body, mm-hmm. because we never, we didn't talk about it as a society. We didn't talk about lynchings. We didn't talk about what was happening. I mean, right now, just because of Watchmen, everybody knows what happened in Tulsa. Right. But Tulsa was not the only town that had a massacre like this. Mm-hmm. So for this film to document how this starts, how this begins is it it's is is radical and audacious and and yeah I, I i agree i i think i think everyone should watch this film i i think maybe you go in with the caveat that it is 1951 so they're not really going to like like they're not going to stick the landing because i don't know what else you can do with this besides what they end up doing with it but yeah, I'd also recommend seeing it.
1: Yeah, check it out. This is now, you know, this is a film we mentioned earlier. It is available in whole on YouTube for free viewing, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. And as much of a miss as it is, that's a shame. This is the film that should be collected by
0: your boys at Criterion. This is the. F- I mean, it was nominated for a couple of Academy Awards, like you would think the fact that it was acknowledged. Would have gotten it out of sort of the lost right morass of YouTube, yeah. But yeah, there you go.
1: Yeah. So th- this is a film that um you sh- you should check out, ladies and gentlemen. And it should be it it deserves to be uh, remastered and put out there um, for people to watch. It's a movie. It's a film that deserves to be you know uh, highlighted on Turner Classic Movies, which is. Currently, right now, like the most most popular place for films of of this ilk and at this time, um, it, it deserves it. It, it, it deserves. It. Like I said, it's a miss, but yeah, it's a huge swing, and uh, you know, I give I get them that. All right, yeah. Before we tell you what we're going to be watching next week on the Michelle Mission, I invite you all to. Email us all of your thoughts, your concerns, anything that you, you want, ladies and gentlemen. Email, email us at mission at gmail.com. That's M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X-M-I-S-S-I-O-N at gmail.com. Like and follow the Micho Mission on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Show Mission, as well as subscribe to the Show Mission YouTube page where we are slowly building up uh, followers to our you know, uh, technically challenged little show right here. Um, but we, we we appreciate each and every one of you who checks us out and joins the Facebook group, Show Mission, where we have a lot of fun with our missionary fans. The Show Mission is available as a podcast, as a proud member of the Podglomerate Podcast Network, the Podglomerate curated podcast for your listening pleasure. And we're also available as a podcast every Wednesday morning on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, any place and every place that you find podcasts, you will find the Michelle Mission. Hey, I heard that Amazon has now got podcasts. Well, you know what? They've got the Michelle Mission too. We're right there. Oh, very nice. I didn't know that. That's right. (laughs) So, even Amazon is is on the mission. Even Amazon. All right. All right. The Michelle Mission is also available in an edited form every Saturday at 1 p.m. on WPPM 106.5 FM Philly Cam, People Power Media, here in the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection, as well as Philly Cam every every Monday at 9 a.m. on 91.7 FM WKDU, the voice of Drexel University. I think that is it oh and if you want to help us out go to the michelle mission.com ladies and gentlemen hit swag and buy some of our fantastic shirts and sweatshirts that are available by way of t public because every purchase goes a long way to helping us keep the show free for you um and, I, and I, I, I say it every week. I am working on new designs. It just takes a little bit of time. But I'm working
0: on some new designs to to put up there. So look for them in the next couple. Uh, I mean, you have so much free time.
1: <laughs> I do. I do. In between the, <laughs> the, the nine podcasts that I do.
0: Uh, I, was, I was about to <laughs> say. I mean, do you really need four hours of sleep every night, Lynn? I mean, do you really need all four?
1: Oh, If only I was getting four. Um, (laughs) Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, next week on the Michelle Mission, we are going to have a very special guest, Marcellus Armstrong of Scribe Video Center here in Philadelphia will be joining us on the mission. And he is bringing with him And it's not even because you asked. This brother just loves the movie. But it's the film that has been on the lips of so many missionaries over these past years. And we are finally going to sit down, review it. When Vince and I, along with Marcella, sit down to
0: review The Landlord. The Landlord. We finally get to The Landlord. Yes. Yes. Very nice. Very nice. Check that out. Looking forward to that. Next week here.
1: On the Me Show mission. All right. Until then, ladies and gentlemen, keep your mask up. Be safe. Be good to one another. And he's Vince. I'm Lynn. In parting, we say. We'll see you when it's time to meet again.